Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks and joining me is my regular partner in crime, my fellow young blood, Adam Zeller aka Ridgetop. And for this one we called in a specialist, a ex-Black Ops turned MMA uh, fighter. You'll, you'll understand the reference to that one when we get to his pick for uh, best stories in, in this uh, episode, is Mr. Lieburn. Welcome, who the fuck? Hey, thank you for having me. I like your shirt, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I got dressed up for the occasion. For, for those <laughs> listening, it is uh, the Peace Through Superior Firepower Pulse Rifle shirt that Hicks wears in the film, or no, one of the Marines. Frost. Frost, that's Frost. right. It was Frost. Is, is that graphic the MP5 version, or is that the Thompson yeah, version? Yeah, yeah, it's the... Uh, oh, actually, I don't know. Yeah, because it's got the funny stock on it. The funny uh, buttstock. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the original. Cool. I always meant to get that shirt, to be honest. I never got around to it. There's too many. I remember when it was hard work to find nice, geeky outfits, or yeah. nice, geeky shirts. Now there's just far too fucking many. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. This is episode 175, and we are going to be reviewing Predator Eyes of the Demon, the second of the Predator anthology novel. No, it's not a novel. Predator anthology books. You made that mistake too. I, I remember getting told off by Brian for that, like six years ago <laughs> when we had him on the um, when we had him on the podcast for the first time. Yes, they are books. They're anthology books. Once again, edited by Brian Thomas Schmidt, who did the first one, and with quite a lineup on this as well. Many returning authors and some, well, one, I guess. <laughs> a lot of newbies, actually. Yeah, well, I was also thinking about how special it is Peter Briggs gets to do something in, um, in this one, which I suppose we'll be talking about with Adam's pick uh, as we go through. So we're going to run this one kind of like we did the Ultimate Prey review episode, which was the AVP anthology, which was again edited by Brian, along with Jonathan Mayberry, uh, also co-edited that one with him. And we're going to do, we've each picked our favorite short from the lot to talk about, as well as our least favorite short, which I think we'll have some discussions over here because I don't know, I don't particularly agree with your guys' picks. Well, that's only because you picked objectively the worst one. <laughs> no, I was thinking about this actually. I, there, there was, there's only two in this book that I dislike, one of which I've obviously picked. The other one, neither of you but were bothered by, apparently. I completely disagree with Lee's choice <laughs> and Adam's choice. So I was just like, eh, it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> but I think given we all know our choices for favourites, I think we're all quite in agreement on those ones, even if we're talking... Uh, different ones each but yeah that like in general should we should we do a, a quick in general as to thoughts on on the book compared to the others yeah i mean i think just like ultimate prey this is more hits than misses there's only one maybe two stories i would be like eh, maybe it's best if that wasn't part of this i mean there's some that i i feel less strongly about but they still feel like solid enough predator stories and for predator fans i think there's enough here that if you're looking for an anthology of eclectic stories this does the job it's an engaging read now unlike brian's first predator anthology uh if it bleeds this doesn't really have any stories set in the distant past the only story that's set in the past at all really is is aftermath uh which is immediately after the first predator film now this kind of came out 
around prey, so that may or may not be the reason that there. Well, were... we know, we know it was by the time by the. I was being coy. I was no. By the time this comes out, Brian's interview will be out, and Brian says it in that interview. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did. He did come out and say that. So yeah, you won't find any samurais fighting predators or old Western ones like you did in the the first book, but you will find some in the future, which is, uh, I believe, one of your stories, Lee, that you picked. Yeah, overall, I'd say pretty, for me anyway, pretty solid book, engaging read. There's more to like than to dislike. Oh, and full disclosure, just like Ultimate Prey, Aaron and I did help out with this one. We didn't have any creative control, but if you think that taints our review, then take that in, into consideration. If anything, it makes me more angry at other bits of it than taints it for uh, the positivity's sake. What about you, Lee? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it was as good as If It Bleeds, but to be fair, that's a high bar to clear. Mm-hmm. I thought it was better than the AVP one, Ultimate Prey. Okay. Most of it, I ended up really enjoying. There was only sort of, there was one that stood out as being, I really didn't enjoy it at all. And then most of everything else at least had something about it that I really liked. And then there was a few really standout stories, which are basically the three that we're going to talk about, I think. Yeah. So yeah, solid read. Really good read. So not to sound like a broken record, but I pretty much agree with these two. There were only two shorts in this book that I was like, no, thank you. A handful of, eh, it was okays. But mostly I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed the majority of this book. I think there were a little more than the three that we're going to be talking about that stood out that I just really fucking enjoyed. I think there was there was a good handful that I really, really, really enjoyed. But for brevity's sake, we're not going to go into everything uh, or break down all the shorts in, in this episode. You're going to do a written review, though? Maybe. We'll see. I was talking to Lee before we started about just how, you know, I dreamed up in this year. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen a written review from you, honestly. Well, the, the last one was Quality War. Basically, yeah. I started I started reviewing Infernos, writing a review for Infernos, and I did really enjoy Infernos. But at, at that point, that was when stuff started kicking in the real world that just sucked all the life out of me, and uh, I've not I've not recovered yet, unfortunately. I do agree with you guys that it's not quite up to if it bleeds as um, standard. Which is to be fair though, if it bleeds was fantastic. Absolutely. There was like one I didn't like and pretty much everything else in it was brilliant. Mm. There, there was one I was kind of like, eh, on, which was uh, Steve Perry's sequel to Turnabout. The rest I absolutely fucking loved. I liked that one. That I, I, like, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay, but it didn't, it didn't match up to Turnabout. I'm like, if that's the worst of that book, then yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty solid. You gave that one a 10 out of 10. And to be fair, Turnabout is also brilliant. Turnabout was one of the best of the franchise. If it bleeds, Turnabout, South China Sig, the best the Predator novels have to offer. Although I do, I do think the um, Hunters and Hunted is up there. Not quite as good as those other three, but still really good. Still really good books. Yeah, that had its moments. I still have never read South China Sea, so we got to review that sometime. Oh, uh, what? Really? The, genuinely, the, the Predator in South China Sea is my favorite Predator from anything ever. I love Turnabout. He's just such a glorious dick. Yes, he is, <laughs> is everything I like the Predator to be. I, I think Turnabout is a better novel end-to-end, but the Predator in South China Sea is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I reread that 
over a night a couple mm. of years ago because I had a night shift doing some escort stuff at work. And I just sat in the break room next to where I'd left these guys and just reading um, <laughs> South China Sea and I blitzed through it that night. I was like, I forgot how fucking good this book is. That's brilliant. If you ever do a review of that one, please call me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be in on that one. Any excuse to revisit that book? Anyway, We're talking about them. sidetracked, yeah. <laughs> We're already, it doesn't take as much, does it? And uh, just for note's sake as well, this is the first of our podcast episodes that we are broadcasting live for our Patreon supporters. And this one was a little short notice, so um, uh, it's just Sarah with us at the minute, but I'm still very excited about that. And this will be something we intend to do going forwards with a bit more notice for people so they can experience us fumbling around without my edits to make it a little bit smoother uh, when we release it. But yeah, that's one of the perks for our tier three. I forget what name we gave them. Was it Warrior? Uh, and... Elder and Predalians. Or yeah. no, Cretorians. So we'll we'll see how we get on as we do these kind of things. Hopefully it won't be too out there for, for folk as we go on. So, Adam, um, why don't you lead us off with your pick for favourite? So... It's hard to pick a singular favorite for me in an anthology. I usually have a few that I like, but one of the ones I liked the most was the Peter Briggs one, Little Miss Nightmare. Both of the stories that I would have picked, I guess, if you hadn't have picked it first, Aaron, with Field Trip, both of the well, stories... I, I didn't pick Field Trip. That's for bad. Well, that's what I mean. Like, oh, okay. 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 So <laughs> for good, this and Field Trip bad, right? Like both of these show predators in not their typical kind of hunting setup right mm -hmm. this is where it's done right where we have this female predator hunter and we we're shown from her perspective as well as the perspective of the main antagonist as well as the perspective of the pursuer of the human pursuer of the main antagonist who is like a, an agent trying to track down this terrorist and interestingly enough we find out this terrorist is just some privileged lady who's just wants to blow shit up and this story takes place in rome and this predator scientist essentially who's you know she's able to hunt she's able to fight but she specializes in studying the human race and that's something i've personally always wanted to see is more predator scientists you know we got that a bit in the rage war trilogy so it's nice to see it here but she's also pursuing this terrorist which she calls like the aberration or something mm -hmm. like that so that was kind of cool she's like a social scientist really, yeah. Isn't she? yeah she studies the internet too and she has some commentary on like the effects of social media on humanity and just imagining a predator scrolling through social media is kind of fun for me <laughs> i don't know this story though was Really well written, really engaging. I think Peter Briggs did a fantastic job on this one. It was cut a little short from what I understand because it was one of the longer ones initially. It was it was significantly um, edited down. down by Brian. Yeah. yeah. At Peter's request. But I still, I, I really enjoyed this one. It had solid action. It introduced some things that we typically don't think about in terms of a predator story. And I think there was enough there with the characters. I mean, you can't really have too much character development in anthology shorts. And so that's always kind of a, a pitfall there. But with this one, I felt there was enough that we could understand the characters, understand their motivations. And we got a bit of backstory for, for all of them. And the whole three perspective thing I thought was done really well. So yeah, I really dug this one. What did you guys think about it? It was one of my favorites as well, actually. Um, it was one of those stories where the actual story itself, there wasn't much special about it, but the way it was written really made it. Like, I really loved the way he wrote the story. It wasn't always the easiest to follow. 
don't know how to describe it, but I had to work at reading it, but that made it all the more rewarding. And like I said, it was it was just it had some great predator action in it. The characters were really really interesting. Like you said, the main sort of the villain, the terrorist character, the fact that she didn't have any agenda, she was just out for shit. An anarchist. Yeah. It was it was just really, really good. I love the sort of the way it sort of jumped around a little bit in terms of he had flashbacks in it, things like that. I just I really loved the way he wrote it. It was definitely one of my picks for one of the best book in the book as well. Yeah, same. And I think it's funny, Adam, that you mention the difficulty in really fleshing out the characters in shorts. Because I feel like the three that I know we've all picked for top favourites all did characters really well in in short word count. So, you know, that that's something I do agree with you all on. I think the antagonist uh, i can't remember her name something with a t wasn't it tracy the antagonist tracy briggs did a really good job on getting into her head and making me hate her without really making me hate her she was a very interesting she was a very interesting bad guy in that yes she had no real reason to be doing what she was doing other than that she was just a sadistic anarchist you know like that that flashback to her first kill and then her reaction to them finding out that, that she'd succeeded in what she was doing you know she cut the the brake line of a like a family's friggin travel van I'm not I'm struggling with words station wagon yeah Briggs has her squeeing with delightment and stuff uh, and stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. But then it, it also made it interesting in terms of it being a anti... The, the heroes were an anti-terrorist force, basically. But she wasn't a terrorist in the traditional sense, you know. Yeah, she didn't have an agenda. It was just yeah. for the hell of it. And then they make the comparisons in, in the book of... Um, it not being a my religion's better than your religion kind of mentality to it all as well. I also agree with Adam in terms of I don't think it was exclusive to this one and field trip in terms of different predator professions, I guess. But that was one of the things I did really enjoy about this. And it was one of the things, one of the positives about field trip that I had. And it kind of it made me think of Scott Siegler's short in Ultimate Prey, you know, because she was a, that predator was a social, no, a ecologist. She was an ecologist. And I kind of got those sort of vibes from this as well, from the predator character in this, Rickin. I think it's really interesting. And I um, really like when the EU sort of explores that a little bit, because it adds, it adds a dimension to them that is not this boring humanization of the predator's perspectives. You know, that's some of the things I dislike about when we get predator POVs, which I think was actually something Brian had, was feedback Brian had got from the first one where they were like, include more predator POVs, include more predators winning if you do another one. I always struggle with that because I think it humanizes them too much sometimes. But the, what Peter Briggs did here with, with Rick Inn, I didn't feel humanized it much, but it was an interesting spin on it. And there was a lot of interesting Predator tidbits in this one as well. I especially, I fucking love this. I thought it was brilliant. The idea that the Predators are so, you you know, that sci-fi cliche of the high advanced races hitting the point where they're so, so advanced, so self-sufficient, technology is so great that they can go and pursue the things in life worth pursuing. So, you know, for like the Federation in Star Trek or the Ancients in Stargate, it means learning about life and um, art and literature and the the meaning of everything. For the Predators, it it meant they were so enlightened that they could go off and pursue their biological imperatives of going around fucking everybody up. 
I love that. I yeah. thought that was a very cool twist on that kind of advanced uh, life form <laughs> sort of trope. And I thought that worked really well. And I, even though I wasn't crazy about the film, to say the least, I did like the little tie-in to The Predator. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Where he had talked about the warring clans and that the the younger ones were experimenting with DNA and stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's a nice little tie in, even though that movie's terrible. Like it, I still appreciated the way that tie in was handled. I mean, it was just a little footnote, but yeah, there was a lot of neat little references like to, to real world movies and stuff that never felt like it was heavy handed. Like it was, they would just see sort of slipped them in and they always worked. They even hinted at the aliens. They said a certain like exoskeletal extraterrestrial species. The Scourge uh, or something like that. The Predator tie-in I thought was cool as well because he said that they'd unearthed old forbidden research and brought it back up again and gone around and attempted it again to cause a big-ass war that got a couple of planets destroyed in the process and a couple of civilizations wiped out as collateral. Uh, but they finally put the, uh, the aberrations down. Uh, so that was really interesting. And the idea of the uh, of Rakin hunting Tracy, not because she was a worthy prey or anything, but because she was a social anomaly, was interesting. And that's something I've liked that the books have done. It's something that I... One of the shorts in Ultimate Prey, forget what it was called, but it was the one where it had a predator taking live humans as like zoo, zoo trophies. I like the idea of there being different types of trophy taking for the predators. It's not strictly about, you know, a skull on a wall. There's different ways of taking trophies. I liked the idea of, I mean, it's not so overt in the way that Rickin behaves in this one, but it, it was about her understanding and deterring Tracy from unsociable <laughs> behavior, I guess. She was she was sort of the idea that Tracy could upset the balance on Earth and ruin it as a hunting ground as well. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what Tracy's doing is just so ridiculous. It might spark off something that's basically going to lead to, I don't know, nuclear holocaust or something, and then the predators won't be able to come and hunt us anymore. So she was taking her out to sort of try and prevent that from happening. And that, that really does add an interesting dynamic to the predator behavior. It's also interesting that we explore this female predator's past a bit in that she lost her sibling that was more into hunting by hunting this dangerous race that they weren't prepared about, this this like bird monster on another planet. Oh, it's not just another planet, Adam. Come on. It was, what, their homeworld, right? Oh, it's an Arcturian sickleback. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Arcturian reference from aliens then, right? Indeed, yeah. Oh, okay. So another alien reference in this story. That's good. Appropriate I, I was, from Peter Brick. I wasn't sure about that to... To start with, you know, when I was thinking about it, because, you know, I, I had a very big thing about appropriate terminology in the Predator POVs. But then I was like, no, because I guess that means the Arcturians are their own thing and the Predators are aware of their own reference to their name. Hmm, yeah. So I was like, oh, OK, that, that works. And I, I, I liked that. If some predator scientists are on the internet, yeah, that would make sense, which I like that too, because it makes me wonder like, okay, how did they know the backgrounds of these people they abduct for the game preserve planet and stuff? And it makes you think about there must be predators in this role that specifically find individuals like that mm -hmm. for that to happen. Yeah, they weren't just picked at random, were they? They were chosen. Yeah. Which I think is, again, is another dynamic to their society that doesn't make them more human or less interesting to me it fleshes them out and i think is a real i don't want to say it gives it tickles me thinking of there being some sort of tracker guys looking for the worst of the worst but 
I, I find that layer really fucking interesting and i'm so i mean glad. it's not even necessarily it's not even necessarily different individuals it could be the guys actually doing the kidnapping are like you know searching for a good target before they go out and do the kidnapping yeah you know like you say it just adds another layer to them without humanizing them too much yeah and i mean who doesn't love a chase through rome i mean it gave this thing a very spy movie kind of feel about it so i dug that too yeah well it, it did it did exactly what i always say is the best thing you can do with predator which is to take a genre story and then just chuck the predator into it and this was like a spy counterterrorism story that just happened to have a predator in it yeah that worked well I do think Preeta Briggs translated to prose very well. I mean, I felt a little bit of the screenwriter in there, especially with the way it started, you know, with, you know, I visualized this opening sequence in the Coliseum with uh, the cloaked Rickin uh, knocking about. But yeah, I thought it was a real solid, real solid prose piece of work from uh, Peter. And I'm so glad he finally got something published and out there officially when it comes to Alien, and uh, I hope he gets that chance with Predator, sorry, and I hope he gets that chance with Alien. Had he done any pros before? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I was looking forward to his because it was him, but I wasn't sure how good a novel writer he'd be, if that makes sense, because I've never, because uh, obviously I only know him through the script, and it really impressed me. I, yeah, top job. Anything else to say on that one? Yeah, I think we can move on. So when I was a bit, when I was a bit less crazy about, unfortunately, was uh, Yvonne Navarro's short, which was Sly Dark in the Daylight. Normally, you'd think I'd like a story about a small Colorado town featuring a predator rampaging through it. But in this case, I just thought it didn't work. It just kind of felt a little rinse and repeat to me where we would go from random horrific thing happening, people reacting, they all die. The people find them. The same thing happens. Like it didn't feel like any characters were developed in this beyond a sentence or two. There weren't many introductions for the characters, the town. We got a little bit of backstory with the character that sees the boy get pulled into the tree initially. She's the one that closes the show out, isn't she? Yeah. And I, I also didn't like the ending bit where the predator elder is just like, you're unworthy here. The humans can kill you. I'm like, we've never really seen anything like that. And that was another thing where just the, the nitpicky fan lore side of me, there was another one that's like, oh, the elders would execute any predators that have been captured. I'm like, there's so many stories we've seen where that's not the case. It's where they take the, the space samurai bit. Yeah, it did take that too far. The the whole, yeah, it's, it's hard to balance the predator code thing with, they're just effed up hunters thing and it can go too far in one way or, or the other but often it's done too far in the honorable space samurai way and i think that's that's how it was done here but yeah i just feel like this was a bunch of predator running around the suburbs and not really much story here other than predator kills these people moves on kills these people moves on kills these people moves on like it was entertaining enough i mean if you're if that's what you're looking for you'll still get it with this but it just didn't engage me too much unfortunately so i thought it was one of the the weaker uh shorts in this book but how about you guys what do you think so i wouldn't rank this as down there at the bottom but it was certainly one of the ones I thought was it was only okay. And Yvonne Navarro wrote well. I thought a lot of the prose, a lot of the descriptive language, a lot of the action was very well written and very enjoyable. But it's hard to disagree with you about any of that criticism there because, yeah, it was moving around a lot of the characters, a lot of different characters. And nobody, I always say, I don't have to like a character as long as I find them interesting to engage with the story. Nobody was really interesting to me. And I don't know if that was perhaps just the setting. You know, I'm not, I don't 
find the small town country American setting quite as interesting. Well, no, not as interesting, quite as identifiable, should I say, sorry, as Adam and his love for things like AVPR and, and that kind of setting. But it just, it didn't engage with me in that way. And I actually, I think toward at this point in the book, because this is one of the last ones, I don't think it's the last one, but I think it's the second to last. Yeah, it's the second to last. And I think at this point, when I was reading the book, you don't really notice it when we're working on it. But when you sit down and you read the book as a, as a whole package, it's like, God, this is just another fucking bad blood. A lot of the authors leaned in on the bad blood thing and it got a bit too repetitive. And I think by the time I got to Sly in the Dark, I was like, I'm so bored of this now. Yeah, because Bitter Hunt was already the big bad blood kind of story of the book, I think. Well, I, I thought there was quite a few. I mean, the Bigfoot one, you know, that was that predator was implied to be one of the killers, the killer clan from the comics, which are essentially a clan of bloods. You had a lot of like the younger ones who were much more inclined in the kill, behead, I want blood and guts kind of way that wasn't interesting in the way that I like to think of Jungle Hunter as a sadistic killer. It was just very kill, kill, kill. And some of that did start to get a little bit repetitive. And I did, I did hit that point when it came to Sly in the Dark. The the behead thing was, yeah, it kind of made that one stand apart a little bit from the others that were doing a similar Predator Bad Bug aspect of it. But I, I see where you're coming from, Adam. You know, it's not necessarily something we've seen before. And it did feel a little, the lead up to the, the main character being standing in front of the Elder going, no, you killed a load of people. We should get to kill him was a bit, ugh. But I actually didn't mind that. I thought it was interesting to play with that code. Not necessarily in a, a predator. You know, you mentioned uh, the elders killing predators that had been captured kind of thing. I don't think it was overly samurai-ish, but it gave that elder a little bit of the respectability that I like without leaning too far into being a Klingon or a space samurai. Like you said, I can't really argue with anything you said. But I felt like the whole way through, this story sort of balanced on a knife edge between being a decent read and being a bad read. And it never quite went either way. Uh, it got pretty close at times, but I didn't mind it. I didn't think it was, it wasn't one of the stories that I really disliked. I did read the book over a fairly long period of time. So that might be why I didn't feel like it was as repetitive as you guys did. Because I went on holiday halfway through it and then sort of picked it up again. See, I didn't mind it. It was, it was all right. It wasn't brilliant. It wasn't awful. Nothing about it really upset me too much, but nothing about it really blew me away either. It's about the most I can really bring myself to say about it, I think, which I guess in itself says something. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to really discuss. It's just such a, it's there kind of part of the book. But I do think the sequence in the gunshot was fun. I do think that that was. Oh, there was yeah, like I said, there was there was there was some bits in it I really liked, and then some bits in it I really didn't like, and they just sort of balanced each other out over the course of the story, and it wound up being neither good nor bad. Though I I did get the AVPR flashbacks during that gunshot. That sequence. didn't help. Yeah, the whole the whole to be honest, just the whole f setting just made me think of Requiem, and I hate Requiem, so that <laughs> didn't help. If you're gonna do that, you need aliens too. <laughs> And, and and it's a shame because I really enjoyed Ivan Navarro's short in Ultimate Prey. I thought it was a very nice, strong, contained... Abuse interrupted, yeah. right? Yeah. And you love you love um, Music of the Spears as well, the novel. Yeah. But then I absolutely loathe her short in A Bug Hunt, the worst of the lot in Bug Hunt, in my opinion. And which, I'm one was, not... which one was hers? The Hicks one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I forget the title of it, but it was the one about where it seems to imply that Hicks had encountered the aliens before the event of aliens. And I'll give her a pass for that because I get the feeling that was maybe a story idea that was given to her. I could be wrong, but that's my gut feeling. So, I mean, it's kind of disappointing. I mean, we understand that there's some personal stuff. I don't know if it's necessarily public or not going off with her and uh, her life. So I think that's why Adam sort of felt a little bit bad about picking this one as well. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, I, I almost didn't pick it because yeah, I've, I've liked her writing in the past. I really liked abuse interrupted from, from AVP ultimate prey. Like she's a solid writer and as a creative myself, like some of the things you do connects with people and some of it doesn't, that doesn't mean you won't like the story. You know, it's always tricky doing these anthology reviews because typically there's one we settle on that we're like, we all don't like this one, but one of us picks it. First, I think we're definitely going to be talking about that one here. But the other ones we have to pick usually aren't bad, bad. They're just the ones that didn't connect with us as strongly. Yeah, I I can genuinely say there's only two that I really disliked. And this wasn't one of them. Yes, fair. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was okay. It wouldn't be. I I picked, again, there's two I really didn't like in this. And this isn't one of them. But Lee, do you want to um, take us on to your choices? Okay, so my favorite, or my pick for favorite anyway, was uh, The Fix Is In, which one of the things I always feel like it's hardest for authors to do is to get that kind of military banter and make it Mm -hmm. sound real. I'm going to have to have a check because I've completely forgotten the author. Jonathan Mayberry. Of course it is. I knew Mm -hmm. his name. Mabry really nailed that with this. Like the the sort of the interaction between the characters was spot on. It sounded genuine. It sounded believable. Um, and it's, it's another one of those where, for the most part, I don't think the story was, a lot of it was sort of a story we've seen before. But again, it was so well written, it elevated it. So basically, it's a sequel to Mabry's short from If It Bleeds, Game World. Uh-huh featuring the main character from that who in that short was sort of pitted in like an illegal sci-fi equivalent of bare knuckle boxing where he has to fight a predator a young an infant predator well sort of teenage predator uh, in the middle of their bout daddy comes calling to basically fuck up the people that have kidnapped his his kid and forced him to fight in this arena and the my human character fix ends up escaping with all the money this story is a sequel where he has now been basically nabbed by the government for all this money that he's nicked and forced to join a mission to go and recover this mystery ship. So he gets press ganged into this mercenary group and it turns out the ship they're sent to go and recover is a predator ship that's uh, crashed on an asteroid and they get there and it's all sort of very mysterious as to what has happened. The ship has crashed. There's all these dead predators on board that look like they've been arranged in like an reverent kind of poses. And it basically uh-huh. turns out at the end of the story that it's all just a big fucking trap. There's one predator still alive and he's just sort of lured them to his ship so he can nick theirs. And at the end of it, they're all just stuck on this planet as their ship just takes off with this predator legging it in their ship. And I loved it because it was, again, it was it was a different take on a predator. Yes. It was a predator doing something we've not really seen them do before. I mean, you've got the whole sort of the whole setting up a trap thing for them, but not to kill them, just to get mm-hmm. the fuck out of Dodge, basically, and leave them stranded there. And it was different, but it still felt true to the character. Like, yeah. I could absolutely see, because, you know, they don't have to kill people all the time. If he's got a different objective, why would he mess about skinning some dudes when he can just piss off and do what he needs yeah. to do? See, how I really, I really enjoyed it. And I said it was, it was nice because I liked that it was a sequel to his previous story. But like Aliens was to Alien, it was a completely different kind of story. It was the mm-hmm. same guy put in a completely different situation. I said, really well written. I really dug all his banter between his characters. Um, it felt like, again, with a limited page count, he did a good job of giving them personalities. 
Uh, and yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. As I said, it was just, it was the first one I think that had really sort of grabbed me as I was reading through because it's fairly early in the book. And up until then, it had been good. I'd been enjoying it. But then this one, I was like, yeah, this is, I'm digging this. See, this, this one's actually after my pick. So I'm kind of offended now. Uh, what, what was your pick? What one have you done? Lion. Oh, okay. Well, I actually had it in my head that it was before Lion somehow. Lion was very good. But no, this one, I, for whatever reason, it just, it sort of ticked all the boxes for me. That's fair enough. I, I completely agree with pretty much everything you've just said. You know, I love the twist on the Predator being there to, well, the Predator luring them into deeper and deeper into the shit to steal their own. The really good thing about the twist is that you know it's come, you know something is coming. You're like, you know a Predator is going to jump out. Yeah. But you don't expect it to do what he does. Like, no. it's, it's like, you know, he's going to show up and then he does something completely unexpected. That was what made it so good. And I think it's worked up quite nicely as well in terms of, as in the idea of a Predator stealing a ship because they, Fix as he's going through this crash predator ship, he's he's noting that there's a lot of stuff built onto this. You know, there's a Mitch Max of designs here, and and it's it's sort of uh, Mayberry leaning in and opening up to this idea of the predators stealing and utilizing other uh, races' technology, which I think is one of those one of those fan theories that not everybody agrees on in terms of how much the predators actually make themselves and how much they steal. But it sort of eases you into this concept of a predator being able to just go and steal somebody else's ship and uh, know how it works and, and get off with it. It was a very nice twist. Here's a question, though. So this is something Brian brought up in our interview last episode. The predator's not really in this story. You only see dead bodies, only its presence. That was actually something else I liked because, again, it was different. Yes. Um, and like I said, you're, you're sitting there, you're reading it, and you know it's a trap, and you're just waiting for this dude to show up. <laughs> he just fucks off like with their <laughs> ship. Like it was, it was so unexpected, and yet so expect like expected but unexpected, and that's what made it so good. So yeah, I uh, I actually liked that there wasn't a whole lot of predator in it, like because you still get the impression. He's he's a he's a bad motherfucker because you know he kills all of their sentries without them even getting a word off. Like they don't even realize until they find them all dead. But you never actually see the guy. So yeah, and I I really like that. That was one of my favorite things about it actually because again it set it apart. I completely agree, and I think this was probably part of the discussions we had while we were working on it as well because I know that came up then. Again, that's something Brian talked about in in the interview. And I remember really fucking enjoying this. And that was part of the reason why. Uh, it does very much stand apart, but the presence is always there. The Predator always feels like it's there, even if it's on the periphery of the story or even if it's off screen. And I think the whole build up to them getting to the ship has a very alien feel to it. You know, it's not quite as mesmerizing as the derelict lead up, but it still imbues a lot of that mystery and a lot of that there be dragons kind of nature to them finding this crashed extraterrestrial ship. So it was just dripping in atmosphere and tension throughout. I also completely agree about the banter. You know, like like I said earlier, we've all picked ones where they've done great work with the characters in so little time. A lot of the part of this was Mayberry's banter between the Marines, the mercenaries, the PMCs. That was something else in this. I always wonder about the organizational structure of PMCs. And I think I tried to look this up while we were working on it because you have LTs, you have sergeants, you have privates and stuff like that. And I'm like, is this the way Blackwater works? Is, is this how an actual PMC organization would structure their ranking systems? And I'm fairly sure I talked to some... Um, I don't think it, it obviously doesn't make it into what we're doing on the book, but I talked to some military guys Master Chief on our board, you know, he used to serve. And um, 
yeah, that's not the way it works. That's <laughs> not the way. It's not the way PMCs uh, organize themselves. So that's something I always kind of raise my eyebrow when it comes to these things. If I had to nitpick anything, it would be that. But yeah, the, the banter was brilliant. Jenks, who was very much the Hudson esque character of the story, was you know real charming. Actually, well, maybe not charming, real endearing. And I think that's when it comes to Alien, when it comes to Predator, I think that's something authors do genuinely tend to struggle on is being James Cameron without being a bad copy of James Cameron. Mayberry has it down pat in this short, in my opinion. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with with everything you guys have said. I mean, this was uh, one that I really enjoyed. And yeah, I thought it was well done how Fix kind of caught us up with what happened in the previous story. And if it bleeds and... I really liked him just like you guys say, the banter and him connecting with this younger squad of PMC soldiers. And so, you know, at this time, you're you're starting to care for these characters. And it's at the point where they're exploring the ship. You know, something's about to go down. And then the Predator is just out of there. So it's it's a curveball that that I thought was effective. And I mean, if this was a longer story, I'm like, OK, well, where would they go from here? Would we just go to three months in the future where they've repaired this Predator ship? And as far as like the predator stealing technology thing goes, I mean, there was nothing like someone like me who's not as crazy about that idea. There was nothing here that took that too far. Right. And that was another thing I thought my pick handled well, the little Miss Nightmare, because the predator scientist does kind of talk about that, how they emulate other technologies and incorporate other technologies into their own, but they still have a base technology that they've built themselves that they understand. I was more against the whole, what we kind of heard on the tapes, the Isabel tapes for the game Hunted Grouse, where she was like, they don't even understand how it works. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, really? But this story I thought was, was really engaging. I thought Fix was a, a charming character. I liked a lot of his kind of like inner thinking, how that was described. And yeah, this felt very much like an aliens kind of set story. We're in the future and there's a squad going down to this planet to investigate this ship. Like it felt very aliens, but with, you know, the predator focus. So yeah, it was just really appealing sci-fi story to me. I totally dug it. Want to see Fix come back? You want to see him survive? Yeah, of course. I mean, I thought he was a fun character. So yeah, if we get another anthology, I'd, I'd hope Mayberry continues this this plot line. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, I, I again... I already mentioned it, but I really liked how he took the same character and put him in a very different story. And I'd love to see him do that again. Mm. I think it'd be a very different survival story for the next one, but oh, we'll see. Come on then, buddy. This is where I think me and Adam are going to very much disagree with you. Fair enough. Uh, so my, to be fair, this pick was most, basically the one that I was absolutely going to choose had already been stolen, so I couldn't do it. So I went with Aftermath by the main man, Brian Thomas Schmidt. And the reason I did is not because I thought it was really bad, but because I thought it started with so much promise and then it kind of fell apart. And in a way that annoys me more than if it had just been bad. Like I, A story that sort of starts well and then, and then trails off. I feel like you, you were so close. So basically this story is what happens to Dutch after the events of Predator. So it starts off, he's in a uh, veterans hospital and he's being interviewed by Keys and Garber. And to start off with, I thought the characters were written very true to how they were in the films. But basically, they discover that there's another predator on the loose somewhere nearby, killing people in the forest. And so Dutch breaks out of this uh, hospital and goes after him. 
basically looking for some revenge. And of course, Keys and Garber are also after this predator trying to capture it. And I said, it, it started out feeling really grounded and really true to the films, but then it just felt like it just got too over the top towards the end. Like when Dutch finally catches up with the predator and they're fighting and the thing's literally hacking into him with its wrist blades. And it just doesn't seem to slow Dutch down at all. It just got too over the top for me. And it, I said, it, it disappointed me because I'd been enjoying it so much up to that point. And I also felt that the characters strayed away from how they felt in the films and just became quite cartoony towards the end. So, yeah, it, it, it disappointed me because I've been digging it so much to start off with. But I know you guys disagree with me. You go first. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> I love, I completely agree with you in that. I, I think it starts very fucking well. I think it ties into the the film and the existing sort of little tidbits, I suppose, that we had from things like the Predator 2 novelization and the Hunting Ground tapes, actually. There was a, a real strong sense of continuity and connection and authenticity to that start of it. You know, I, I did hear Arnie, I did hear Gary Busey. I think Adam Baldwin, I think Garber's always a little bit of a... Non-character anyway. To be fair, he didn't have much to do in Predator 2, so... Yeah. <laughs> but what Brian did, I, I thought, worked quite well to start with. I don't agree with you in that it went over the top. Maybe there were some elements of... There were, like, two two little bits that I was like... Uh, that I think could probably contribute to what, you're, what you felt there. But for me, it was things like, and this is something we argued about, me and Brian argued about. I know what you're about to say. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And anybody who listens to the show knows how much I hate reused dialogue because it pulls me out of the story. It always has, and I hate it. And it's just one of those things that me as an audience member and the person writing this don't agree on because they're having a fucking blast getting to reuse these, you know, these quotes from the originals, from other things that they might love. And they're having fun doing it. And it pulls me out. And I hate that. And I do think that can contribute towards a bit of an over-the-top sensation. The other thing that I thought might, I think, stretch the limits of what I was willing to accept was things like when the Predator ship shows up and the helicopter doesn't get blasted. That, yes, I can agree stretched the realms of um, what I was willing to uh, accept as realistic there because I thought that had been shot straight out of the sky. But otherwise... Just the end was really... Like, where he just jumps out of the helicopter in midair at the end and falls to his death. Or, like, it just... It was it was such a weird ending that just, like... Because it's not like he explained that the helicopter was just sort of hovering just off the ground, right? The, it sort of implied that they were up in the sky flying back to base and Arnie's just like, oh, I'm going to go fuck up some more Predators and just jumps out. <laughs> like with no parachute and like have after he's been half hacked a bit by a predator like it was just like i said it just it, it just degenerated into something quite cartoony for me and it, that was so disappointing after how it started do you feel like the end well, the that part of it could have used a bit more polish to reduce those kind of yeah i mean even if it'd been something like they were flying over a lake and he jumped into the lake like that would at least be believed the skids weren't quite as far off the the, the ground yeah but he literally they're just flying over a forest and he jumps out and it's like okay see i i didn't read it as them flying you know those fucking well above treetops or anything like that no that wasn't the re <laughs> that wasn't my read of it but yeah maybe i just misinterpreted it but that was sort of the what i took away from it and it was yeah the, the, the only other thing I'd have to criticise, I think, would be the convenience of there being a predator relatively nearby not long after Dutch has been a debrief. 
And I feel like this is one of those ones where perhaps it should have been a bigger story, more fleshed out, more time to piece things out kind of narrative. It did feel quite rushed in the second half. Mm. So I think that would be the only other thing I'd really criticize. I mean, I I enjoyed the story, but yeah, it did it did have a few issues. And I agree with what you said, Aaron. Like when you have the callback one liners, like if if they're done well and they are hard to do well, they can be fun. But oftentimes they just feel forced and it's it's trying to be fan service. And I'm not crazy about it either, if I'm being honest. But uh yeah, I thought that the story started off strong, like those conversations with Dutch and Peter Keys, like that was interesting seeing those initial days, like after this event had happened and, and hearing some of, of Dutch's thoughts about what had gone down. I, I thought that was written pretty well. And I thought the, the kind of woodland setting was, was interesting, how he's just hunting down this predator. And I also liked some of the lore elements where we focus on this younger predator and it specified that, oh, this is how he's getting blooded and not all predator clans Again, we're hinting at aliens here in this Predator book, but not not all Predator clans do it that way. Which was nice. Yeah, I, I very much liked that. Kind of like we saw with Prey, this is a Predator going after wildlife. And the scene with the young Predator fighting the cougar, I thought, was was pretty cool. I have to agree with you guys, though, that this does kind of fall apart towards the end and it feels quite rushed. I mean, we've we've jumped from Dutch's perspective to this Predator's perspective, but there's no resolution on the Predator's character side of things. It just kind of ends. So we don't see, I mean, it's, it's hinted at that his father is coming to rescue him, this Predator character, but we don't see any of his interaction with his father after this. There's no real conflict resolution with Dutch who had engaged this Predator or if Dutch was going to confront the father predator like that. So it just felt like it kind of left it hanging at the end to me. But overall, I think it was still an engaging read. And for the most part, I liked it. I just felt like it, it was a bit rushed, kind of like you guys had said. Yeah, so I, I, would know, I wouldn't place this one at the bottom for me. The criticisms of it included, you know, this, this was one I did very much enjoy, to be honest. And, I, you know, you bring up a good part there, Adam, of um, it mirroring prey and some ways which was fun to see and to experience the predators in the sort of monologue of the wildlife that he'd been tackling with where i was like i was, I was disappointed with the mountain lion i thought that was going to be an, an interesting challenge and stuff like that so so that was fun and um, i actually quite liked the uh, the predator pov in this one but again I, I wouldn't place it at the bottom but i enjoyed this one should we do my picks yep your turn so my pick for favorite was the lion of the himalayas by Amar Habib. It was a short about a ex-soldier uh, living in the, well, the towards the Himalayas um, in Kashmir, and he had a very tough experience, uh, shall we say, and ended up living on his own with the dog. With the dog, and he has become a hunter, you know, a bit of a hermit, and he's tasked by the locals to go into the nearby forestry and take out a brown bear, an Asian brown bear, I think, or a black bear that's been uh, killing some folk. Turns out that bear's a predator, and it just becomes this very primal and introspective short of this man, this battered old man, confronting this predator. And primal is a word I, I think I most associate with how this is written, because it is very much van versus nature, van, man versus beast. Man versus man in terms of himself and uh, man versus man in terms of conflict. You know, there's a lot made of... Now, I admit, 
you know, I'm not a fucking social political expert in any sense of the word. So there's a lot made of like India versus Kashmir in this. I had to go and have a read up of it afterwards, but it sets a very nice dark political character background for the you know for the main character in this, and I really enjoyed it. I really got sucked into this battered old man dealing with the shit hand he'd been dealt. You know, his family had been massacred, his village had been massacred. He had nothing to live for, and he was a beaten shell of his old principles as the leader of like a resistance movement against the Indian government. And it takes this boy who is seemingly living on his own, who happened to be the son of somebody he used to command, to sort of steer him back on the path. And uh, what was the character's main name? It was Abdallah. It ended with Abdallah going to confront this predator and accepting a fate with a smile on his face. You know, it wasn't this shadow of his massacre of his wife and his daughter that had been giving him nightmares. It was sort of... um, it was acceptance of an end of life without necessarily a depressing angle of it. It was this, again, this primal, this nature acceptance of it. This was a short, I thought, felt like a dark horse one shot. You know, it felt like something I could have envisioned being done um, in Dark Horse's heyday. I really, really fucking loved it. There was some great action. The prose was brilliant. The character development was brilliant. Again, this one's focused mainly on Abdallah. You know, it is focused on one guy. So with all that word count being devoted to character development, it's easier for Omar to make that work, but he fucking makes it work. So yeah, again, primal is what I tend to, is how I thought about this. Yeah, I, I, I agree with pretty much all that. What I really liked about this, spoiler alert for anyone who's not read it, is um, the guy goes into the forest. I mean, you know it's not a bear, you know it's a predator. If you're reading this book, you know it's a fucking predator. So he, he encounters the predator, predator fucks him up, but he falls off a cliff into a river so he survives and escapes. And then the rest of it is about him sort of gearing up for the showdown with this predator. And then he loses and gets killed. Mm-hmm. It was, it was re- like you said, it, 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 somehow it wasn't depressing, but it was, it was just so refreshing because you, you sort of think, oh, he's going he's gonna to kill the guy because you know, he's, he's geared up for it. He's set his traps. He's, he's lured it to a spot where he thinks he's going to have the advantage. And then it just does him in. So I really liked that. I thought it was probably the best ending of any of the shorts in the book. Yeah. And like you said, because it just had basically the one character throughout, it was easily the best developed character in the, in the whole anthology. And I, my heart broke for him. You know, when, when it actually gets into detail of what happened to his family, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and he even loses his dog in this one too. Yeah. That I think was the only bit I think could have been improved was the dog dying to the predator because I think some of the pros or some of his reading of the scene was, but my doggo didn't attack anybody. I think that was the only thing I, I would have changed would, would have been have, yes, have that dog go for the predator or make it more overt that he was going for the predator to give that predator a bit more of a reason to um, stabby stabby. The old canine. Only criticism. I also quite enjoyed this one. Interesting dynamic with he falls off this cliff and gets knocked out and then he's kind of saved by this boy and he finds that this boy's father was someone he had fought alongside with in these battles. And uh, the boy had kind of recalled some inspirational stuff he had said and he's like, oh, that guy's dead now too, just like your father, because he's, you know, at this point he is a broken man and it is about like him having nothing to live for, so nothing nothing to lose. And he decides to face this predator and through this this trial, he essentially gains the renewal of wanting to kind of be alive again, I guess. 
And of course, the the Himalayas are a beautiful setting. You know, I played a lot of Far Cry 4. So I, I do remember like those vistas and stuff. You're a very well-traveled man. So imagining the Predator in an environment like that is, is just kind of cool. The, to read. And the inspirational quote bit, as you so put it, I think is a great, great line in here as well. And it, of course, goes towards the title of the short, you know, to live as a warrior and die as a lion is far better than live in a fear of a tyrant. I really liked that. I thought that was great. Yeah, I do feel like, just like you, this is one of the stronger short stories in, in this book. Didn't see a whole lot on the Predator side of things, honestly. This was more a focus on this character's like inner trial, I think. And the Predator was kind of a catalyst for that. Again, it was it was a genre piece with the Predator dropped into it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's a show of the flexibility of the strength of Predator as a device, I guess. Much in the same way as I love Prey for Naru's journey. You know, it's such a universal character journey and universal trial that we can all experience, you know, this sensation of being told you don't belong and stuff like that. And Abdallah having this admittedly far more brutal path towards a crisis of self than any of us necessarily have. But that in itself, I think, is is quite universal um, crisis of self. So, yeah, very good short. Really good. So my pick, which apparently is the one we all would have picked, was Field Trip, which I think is made a bit more disappointing for me in the fact that it was written by Robert Greenberger, who co-wrote Predator Flesh and Blood, which was one of Dark Horse Press's, well, there was only four, for fuck's sake, two of which were brilliant. Flesh and Blood was really solid, basically. It picked up on a lot of the shitty strands of Forever Midnight and did something really good with them. So I really enjoyed Flesh and Blood and I was quite looking forward to this. And it started off a lot stronger than I remember it starting off, actually. It ended up being pretty well written and it's got some interesting angles to it. And it's it's basically there's um, a very heavily pregnant predator acting as the sort of guide, scout guide, I guess, for a bunch of uh, unblooded predators. Their ship, due to a malfunction, crashes in um, sunny old England, and they find themselves nearby a bunch of historical reenactors. And then he just goes to part. These young predators decide they want some blood and start fucking shit up, and then you have reenactors with blunt blades and fucking crossbow bolts with whatever bags they put on the end of... End of them being fired. It just all goes tits up after a very interesting start of, you know, like we were saying earlier, the idea of predators with different roles that aren't necessarily go around hunting, killing people. And the idea of like them being taught scout preparation and stuff like that was was cool. But it's just it's just this heavy obsession to, in the last half of the book of them all being God's creatures and these two pregnant characters no, it felt like fucking Greenberger had a pregnancy thing going off while he was writing this, and not to not to slander or anything there, but the focus on it was unnecessarily, and it just it brought nothing to it. It was just them wanting a fucking predator giving birth in the middle of a field for some reason, and I don't get it. I don't get why they this direction was went in because there's something far more interesting buried in this the idea of the predators coming across reenactors i think is really fucking interesting and they figure it out in two seconds in this and granted yes it makes sense that i the observation that they're falling down but the heat signature is not fading what the fuck's going off here but that question lasts all of like 30 seconds in the book 
But I love the idea of them coming across like a, a reenactment, getting stuck in with the reenactment, and then going, oh, shit. Why are these blades not hurting us? You know, it would have been a bit more of an interesting exploration of the predator culture and the reaction to them perhaps not being as challenged as they thought they were or, or getting into a situation that they didn't quite understand with moral or ethical or code-based implications for them without going too far into the Klingon thing. Could have been really interesting. But I don't know what the fuck was going off in this. Robert, wh- why was the wife so obsessed with how fat the husband was in this? What was that? <laughs> As well, they, they, <laughs> there was like three or four occasions where his weight came up, and there was something about oh, he's a middle, he's a thirty-something middle-aged bloke, and his tummy's getting a bit too much. It's starting to rival my Canadian. Well, the pub nights are catching up to him. Yeah, I was like, I, I feel targeted here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a mid-thirties pub dweller. Yeah, and I just I didn't understand what the f- was going off. Yeah, I've got no word. Sarah sums it up nicely in the chat there. It sounds like a really shit phalanx. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, Aaron. This one for me was unfortunately the, the worst of the book. I agree with you that there's an interesting setup in terms of both predators running into reenactment, uh, reenactors and having like um, a misunderstanding there. Like that's an interesting premise, right? There's interesting stories that could be told with that, as well as the idea that these younger predators are being taken to other worlds to experience them before they go on proper hunts. Both of those ideas are quite interesting. Yeah, but but where the story goes, I mean, the action just felt kind of awkward to me. And the fact that they had, you know, these husbands had been killed, but this woman's still going to deliver this predator woman's baby because she's a she's one of God's creatures. And it. And that sort of comes in halfway in the book. It was a little bit better weaved into it than I remembered it being or had it in my head. I mean, the whole religious angle just got eye rolls from from me personally, but just did not go in a direction that I could dig, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Just, yeah, the dialogue, I didn't think any of the characters were particularly interesting or likable. No. I mean, the, the only character I kind of found interesting was the main predator female, the pregnant predator female, but I don't know. I mean, I'm all for seeing predators in, in atypical situations, but this was a little too far out there <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I two things I really hated was these bunch of people with fake weapons somehow beating like three predators. And then just the whole, the like, so you've got a pregnant predator and a pregnant woman and the pregnant woman helps the pregnant predator give birth. But she goes from like being absolutely horrified at watching these things brutally butcher all of her friends to then like, oh, I must help this one give birth. Like Even that as a concept I felt could have been really interesting. It was just so badly done. It was literally just an instantaneous switch from look at these creatures ripping out my friend's skull to I must help you have a baby. It was the leap from one to the other was just instantaneous. And there was it just didn't feel real at all. And like you said, you touched on the interest. There were interesting ideas in here. I just felt like almost all of them were really badly developed. It was it was far and away the worst one in the book for me. Mm-hmm. It was just awful. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not good. It wasn't good. And, and like you said, I really liked Flesh and Blood. That was a really good book. Not quite Turnabout and South China Seagull, but it was a solid read. And there was some great character work in that book as well. Yeah, this one was just really, it just basically missed on all counts. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I want to mention it as well, though, just so it's out there. The other one I was really fucking disappointed with was... Oh yeah, I was going to ask, which one was it? The distance in their eyes. 
which was the one about the space butterfly. Oh, see, now that one I knew was going to be, I knew reading it, it was going to be a contentious story, but I actually quite liked it. I liked it a lot the first time I read it when we were editing it. But I was like, this needs a lot of touch-up to really work. And that's one of the reasons I really dislike it, because it didn't get that touch-up that it needed. In a lot of ways, this does not feel like a Predator story. Because of the fucking Predator. You know, the Predator did not act like a Predator, in my opinion. He was so fucked off with the disappointment that of his hunt that he went around and fucking genocided a town of these helpless aliens. But this was another one of the ones where I found it really disappointing because the premise itself is really fucking interesting of this seemingly unspectacular prey becoming something so much more significantly better and more interesting that it just, because it felt so not Predator, it really didn't work as part of this anthology for me. It didn't feel right. So that that was the other reason I, that was the other one I really hated in this. Or was really disappointed by. Sorry, should I say. I'm surprised. Yeah, because I had remembered you liking that one early on. But yeah, I remember you didn't like the whole angle of him just killing these other extraterrestrials that I guess were just so pathetic to him that he's like, well, I'm just going to off you because it's like pretty much a mercy killing because you're that pathetic at this point. I like that he was also sort of... Because he he didn't just go and butcher them immediately. He he tried sort of killing them in different ways, like trying to roll them up. He was trying to get something out of them because he was like, you can't just be this willing to die because they literally offer no resistance. He, they were just letting him kill them. And so he's, he's like trying to like, come on, there's got to be more to this. And then I figured after that, he was just so annoyed with it. He was like, oh, fuck it, I was going to kill you all then. He didn't come across as dramatically not Predator. And I'm fine with different Predators being different. Like I'm fine with this one just saying, oh, fuck it then, I'm just going to slaughter the whole lot of you. There is a level of individuality to them that does work well, but this was just too far afield for me. But there, there were some other great ones in here that we haven't touched on, uh, just to at least name them. I yeah. really enjoyed Lebens. We do some honourable mentions. Titans was a great opener, and uh, Scott Seagless <laughs> was a great closer. You know, Dead Man's Switch, really enjoyed those. I liked Ghost Story, because it's pretty much Friday the 13th, but Predator. Yes, Ghost Story was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And The Monster by Michael Koch. Bigfoot! Yes! Yeah, that was quite good. <laughs> Loved it. I think those those extra ones on top of what we were talked about already were probably the, my favourites. What was the one where they were running through Brazil? Uh, that's Proving Grounds. That was okay. To be fair, I think the ones with the heavy predator focus were the ones I weren't that massively fussed on. Like, they were okay, but I didn't enjoy them as much as some of the others. That might be a little bit of my bias, not liking the out just stuff come through. Oh, that's something else I will mention. There was a lot of stuff in this, at the risk of sounding like I'm tooting my own horn, but there was a lot of stuff in this that felt like authors had just read Xenopedia and lifted <laughs> stuff from that to put in the books. Is that just me? Or like, in terms of terminology and stuff like that, I felt like it was perhaps people who didn't really know Predator and they just sort of went there to grab terms and use them in the stories. There, there is a bit of that. And that's some of the stuff we had to kind of fix or contribute towards. But we won't go too far into that. Wasn't that something I slagged you off a little bit about with Ultimate Prey? That that other story I really fucking hated in Ultimate Prey, where I was like, this just reads like somebody who has seen the film once, gone and read a bunch of Xenopedia articles, <laughs> and um, gone and put a story together without fully understanding the context. And I was like, this is where people like you make our, uh, our lives difficult. Down with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Go, go away, Wikipedias. <laughs> I also want to point out Cannon Fodder as well as another one I, I quite enjoyed, which was a Predator POV one, 
but I thought worked out quite nicely. I could have done without all the family references. I didn't need a story where somebody was related to Leona, somebody was related to Anna, but the actual theme of that one I actually quite liked of all these predator fuck-ups. Like I said, in general, really love this. It's one I would recommend uh, quite easily. Not quite as strong as If It Bleeds, but probably solid 7.5, 8 out of 10, I think. Aaron, would you also say you like this better than Ultimate Prey overall? Maybe on par. For me, I probably liked Ultimate Prey a little bit more. I mean, they're, they're, I'd say about on par. They're both solid anthologies to me. Again, I feel that there's more good here than bad, but... Oh, for sure. But we also know how quickly these were had to be thrown about. And, and that was something Brian also talked about in the last uh, episode, because Titan was losing the license for Predator and AVP. So these were um, very difficult to work on. It was a very quick turnaround on these. In that case, then, that's that's quite impressive because most of them were, like I said, th- there was the occasional instance where stories felt rushed, but most of them felt like really well put together. Mm-hmm. Very much would recommend these. Lee, would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I think I'd probably put it just slightly above Ultimate Prey. Not as, again, not as good as If It Bleeds, but If It Bleeds was, was so good. So yeah, I'd probably say it was the second out of these anthologies, but really it's only Bug Hunt that was Bad. I still had some really, still had some really good stuff in that I loved, but yeah, it also had. There was like there was like three or four really good ones on Bug Hunt. I still feel like Bug Hunt has some of my favourites of these short stories in, but it also had some real dreck. Mm. I must bring this up. So the cover, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do better, Titan. The colours are nice. I like the dark grey, metallic, and black, and the red highlights going on, like. Color-wise, cover looks great, but can we stop just using toys for, I mean, okay, sometimes, like, I'm a photographer, I'll take toy pictures, like, I get it, sometimes you can make them look really cool, but for a book cover, like, Wasn't this, this just a Hot Toys This is the Hot Toys Predator event. that was also on one of the Blu-ray collections, so to have it reused from that, and this was, like, Hot Toys' original version of the classic Jungle Hunter, where the proportions were a bit off. There's an artist we have commissioned a few times, Azog Art, and they did a recreation of this cover where they illustrated it, and it looked so great. And so for me, I'm like, oh, there's so many artists that would love an opportunity like this that would spend more than than a day or two just doing a quick Photoshop job. Like, can we get some illustrations, please? Like, I don't know. That was one of my favorite things about the older novels is how great the covers looked. And that will sell a book. How good a cover looks will sell a book. I mean, Into, Into Charybdis and uh, Inferno's Fall had original art covers. And they look so much more appealing than any of the other Titan novels, just for the fact that they've got a cool actual piece of artwork on the cover. Definitely agree. It's a shame because we've gone from these Bantam books having people like fucking John Bolton. You know, he did the covers for some of Dark Horse's comics doing the novel covers as well. Even the DH Press books had amazing covers. Yeah. Stephen Yule off the top of my head. Some were better than others. I liked the... The Predator um, ones were better better than the alien ones even most of the alien ones i thought were really good they were at least like a de- like an original piece of art yeah there were, there were photoshop jobs but yeah it was better than a lot of titans aliens cloded marines renders and figures pictures and stuff like that but yeah that's something we've criticized them about all along <laughs> all along but they probably don't care if it's the last predator <laughs> that they were going to put out I don't know we'll see but yeah Titan no longer has Predator or AVP as far as we're aware not too much on the slate in general I know Bishop just came out we just got an announcement for another alien novel what's that one called Aaron 
not keen on the title, but Alien Uncivil War. Another um, war. Yes, which <laughs> is being written by Brendan Deneen. Um, this is Brendan's first alien writing, as far as I can tell. Sounds interesting, to be honest. After narrowly escaping a xenomorph attack and crash landing on the wrong planet, former military man Chris Temple just wants a peaceful life with his daughter. He just needs to deal with the brewing civil war and a xenomorph on the loose. Sounds like it could be different, and I get sacrifice vibes off of the longer synopsis, should we say. So I'm quite looking forward to that one. Yeah, premise sounds interesting. It should be early next year. Is that right? About Alien Day, if I remember rightly. Just before Alien Day, all Titans novels come out like four or five days before Alien Day. Be looking forward to that. And it'll be interesting to see if they get the licenses back for Predator and and EVP. You know, they've held the licenses for longer than any of the other other publishers at this point. So, um, And to be fair, they've done a good job. Last few years, not so much, but yeah, overall. Sure, they've also got the worst of the Alien novels in existence, but when you've had it as long as they had now, it's quite easy to have the huge swings of things like Intercaribdis and Cold Forge and Phalanx, and also the absolute steaming pile of dog shit that is Colony War. You know, it's a big swing over a long period. I'm sorry, that novel offends the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> having it over that period of time is a—it's very easy to have really fucking good and really bad. And I'm not looking forward to Bishop, but I—I I, I really hope when Civil War does a good job. Um, do you want to start wrapping us up, Adam? Sure. So thank you for listening or watching. You can always find us on our main hub of activity, which is our website, avpgalaxy.net. And we are also on all the major social channels, Facebook, X, Instagram, and Threads. We'd also like to give a shout out and thank you to our Patreon subscribers, which allows us to devote more time doing this and makes Aaron a little bit happier where he doesn't have to edit as much. Uh, for all of his time and we can devote more time to editorial projects or video projects and stuff like that so real quick i would just like to read off our patreon list here so for our tier three we have bending light chris dazinger hunter gets Komen, lucas xeno hunter 5669 xeno predalien zarnold quigley you aaron Acid Rain 161. Sarah, who's here in the chat. Thank you. We appreciate you. Tom Painter. Uh, and now we're on to our tier two, which is our Warriors and Hunters. We have Anon, Chris Osbrooks, Christian Matsky of Perfect Organism. We appreciate that. Darkness, our site administrator, throwing a bit in the pot. Javar Wayman, uh, Josh Cambrian, Sizzy, Swine Rider, Zach Walker, JF Boyvin. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And now we are on to our tier ones, facehuggers and young bloods. Ian Aiello, Steve Patterson. And we also have two more new uh, tier twos, Sinan Sogekihai and The Batman. So thank you all for supporting us. We very much appreciate it. And if you'd like to support what we do at AVP Galaxy, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash AVP Galaxy to see how you can do that. Lee, do you want to shout out your haunt? Uh, yeah, Xenopedia. So it's avp.fandom.com. Drop by, get involved. I have been very lax of late because life has been getting in the way. But by all means, drop by, see what's happening. And uh, be lo- love to have you there. And um, you follow me on X at underscore Corporal Hicks. That's the only place I'm really knocking around other than our forums. That where I want to be stalked by other people. That is. <laughs> If you'd like to follow me personally, it's at RidgeTop21 on X and Instagram. You want to shout out the toy? No, not the toy. The virtual. Virtual? This is virtual photography channel. You 
Oh, right. Yes. I also do virtual photography where I take video game screenshots and that is Ridgetop Virtual Photography on Instagram. Well, thank you everybody for listening. This has been Corporal Hicks. Ridgetop. And who the fuck am I? Get into the chopper.